Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row. It's Jonah Siegel here in Seattle. We have uh, one of my, another one of my favorite people. I say that a lot. I tend to talk to people I like to, uh, like to talk to, and who I actually like and enjoy. Um, funny story. I think it's like the winter of 2005, maybe 2006. And I start this here blog and I end up writing a piece, basically critiquing the entire business or programming day on the fan 590. Uh, to, true to my, true my promise, it, it's not personal. I'm just giving you opinions on the show from the morning drive till the time primetime sports ends. And about three hours later, knowing, not thinking that anyone reads what the hell I'm writing, but I get an email uh, asking me to call a, a telephone number. So I call that telephone number and on the other end of that phone is one Nelson Millman program director of the Fan 590 from a beach somewhere like in Mexico or something with uh, steam coming out of his ears. But how dare I critique his children, if you will. Uh, so here we are some, what's that, you know, almost 15 years later and uh, we're still talking to each other. How are you, Nelson? I'm fine and there's still uh, steam coming out of my ears. <laughs> and you're on a beach? No, I'm not on a beach. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm north of Toronto, just beside Santa's house. It seems like. Oh, nice. How's the shoveling? I have a guy. <laughs> I wanted to start a business <laughs> called that, just a referral service, because the number uh -huh. of time people yeah the number of time people call you and say, hey, do you have a guy who can blank? And the answer is always yes, or I'll find you someone. But there's not a whole lot of a remuneration in that business, and I'd love to find out a way how to do that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, it's a lot of work for it. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, but you know what? When I was a kid, I used to walk up and down the street and charge people two bucks to to shovel their driveways, and uh, it was uh, it was kind of lucrative. <laughs> so we are um, we here at Believe and on the pro on the podcast are are really thrilled to have you. Um, I'm not sure if in North America there's anyone who has spent more time programming sports radio than you have. Um, I, I see that three years ago you were on uh, with, with Merrick and somebody else, and it talked about like 40 years of, of service or something. Like that is an exceptionally long Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole career was uh, in radio was uh, 40, 42, 43 years, um, 20 of it uh, in, in music radio and 20 of it in over 20 in sports radio. So I'm not sure we could talk to anyone better, but who has seen it all uh, from the beginning uh, where sports programming was games and probably pre and post to full on daytime programming to whatever the hell we have now. Uh, so <laughs> I really uh, genuinely on behalf of, of the two people that are listening, uh, I really do appreciate you taking some time with us. Well, it's nice to see you've doubled the audience uh, over over the time you've been doing the podcast. So good for you. Well, I, I've borrowed McCowan's um, megaphone, and this is broadcasting <laughs> from the top of my roof. Oh, perfect. 
<laughs> That's what we used to do with Joe Bowen. We didn't give him a microphone. We just opened a window. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Moman, inquiring minds would like to know, um, what exactly does a program director do at a radio station? Well, you know, it's a bit of an open-ended question. If uh, a music station, uh, the program director does, uh, you know, uh, a set of duties and the, uh, you know, in a, in a talk radio station and whether your topic is sports or, uh, or news, um, it's a whole different set of, uh, uh, of things that you have to get done every day. You know, music, music stations, you're focused on, you know, the top songs, what's the research, what do people want to hear? Um, you, you put them on the air and, and while I'm not saying you kind of just leave them there, um, you don't have to pro reprogram the radio station every day. Um, the same way you do with, uh, with a news talk or, or a sports radio station. So, you know, the usual, you know, for me, the usual day is get up, uh, you know, try and get up by six and listen to the morning show, see what, what stories they're following, how they're following them. Um, get in, plan the day, meetings, 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 uh, some listening to the radio station. Uh, um, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of go from the time you get in until, until the time you're done. You're either meeting with people, listening to what's on the air, deciding what's coming up. Uh, what are the, what are the opportunities for the next day? I, I met with the morning show every day after the show drove them crazy, but, uh, I'd give them the odd day off, but it was, you know, the radio station has to kind of reflect what the program director wants. So let's dig into that a little bit. Cause that's, that's fascinating to me. So you drive in in the morning, you're listening to the morning show, the morning show ends and in walks, whomever you have programming the morning show, what, what does that meeting look like? What, what, what are you discussing? Well, we're ta first of all, you know, always tried to make it fun. We'd talk about the good things that happened, the things that, that we did well, um, the flow of the show, the the selection of topics. So it's just, you know, it, it's just a, a debrief on uh, um, on the day uh, as much as anything else. Did we hit the stories we wanted to hit? Um, how hard did we hit them? How often did we hit them? Where did we stray off? into areas we didn't need to go um keeping in mind that you have a limited amount of time with uh, with the audience in the car and i would imagine that as in every business as the boss you've got things that you'd like each employee to work on so you might check in with him or her and say you know those things i asked you to do well you did a great job here and you're still flunking there but how much of it is actually going like why aren't you talking more maple leafs or why aren't you talking about the Blue Jay? Like, what, what's the difference? I mean, on average, like, obviously, there's days where you do both, but. Well, you know, most of it is driven by top stories. Um, what was our major focus? Uh, home teams and teams that impact on home teams. Um, so it, it really was just a case of, of where the focus is, is a particular day. If the Leafs play, but the Jays have signed a free agent, um, which, which I believe used to happen. Um, 
how much time are you spending on each? What's the top, you know, what's, what's the top priority? And there's no set formula. It's instinct and uh, an experience that, that tells you the direction you need to be going on any given segment for that matter or, or any given day. Because you try and weave a thread through the entire day of what the top stories are. Those changes you go. But if the Jays are signing a free agent pitcher, um, you know that thread's going to go through the whole day because, again, you have limited time with the audience. So you want to make sure that when they are with you, they're hearing the things that are important to them. So one of my um, thoughts, and, and I'm curious as to whether you think this has evolved or whether it's static, but... When I, when I get up in the morning and I get into my car and I have sports radio on, um, I want to hear about what happened last night. I want to hear from the players, not necessarily those on the ice or on the field, but those in and around it, if you will. And I want to hear about what's happening today. And that's really it. My appetite for hijinks and hilarity in that brief, hopefully brief window that I'm in the car to listen is small i want to hear that's what i want to hear um i don't want to hear uh chris schultz's mustache or inside ken dryden's brain in the house of commons um i actually just want to hear what happened the night before what's happening today do you do you take that into consideration as a program director when you because you said you only talk to the morning guys folks no um, no what i said is I, I only met with the morning guys every day and bob I met with McCowan every day. We did both drives. Yeah, and of course, you're always talking to, you know, you know, for argument's sake, you know, to Mike Hogan. You know, we we may not spend time together every day, but but we certainly we certainly have a conversation every day. That I no, was, you had scheduled you know, meetings with your drive hosts every day. I got it. Well, the morning show was scheduled. Bob uh, Bob just kind of showed up. <laughs> We'll get there in a minute. So, so help me here. <laughs> so help me here. When, like when you're talking, like how do you view that? Um, well, I, I view I view radio, no matter what format it is, as the entertainment business. Okay. And there are all sorts of aspects to the entertainment business. Um, I I thought the you know you mentioned the, the kind of the Chris Schultz mustache, you know. I kind of like that stuff or we wouldn't have done it. Um, and I think, and I think it worked. It created a personality for the show. If you're on the air and you don't have something that you represent, uh, uh, what, you know, what kind of connection can you have with, with the audience? Um, then I don't think you're doing the job. So it's a, it, for me, it was always a combination of both. There was a time to have a little fun and get a little offside um from that core two guys talking about that game last night so you know there, there's a balance that i always tried to to have between the entertainment side and uh and the information side and um i wasn't picking i wasn't picking on that segment per se or no the, no but I, I understand what you're saying but i guess my question is are you going to you know if you're going to do get outside your, you know, kind of your main, you know, your main entree um, for a minute, the audience will live with it. If you do it for five minutes, that's too long and, uh, and they'll move on. But do you look at things like, and maybe there's, maybe, <laughs> I hate to say it, maybe back then you didn't have access to the data that maybe they have today, but 
Well, we had access to all sorts of data. What we didn't have access to, uh, thankfully, was um, everybody's minute-by-minute opinion. Gotcha. So you know, I, I've said I've said all the way along. If Twitter was, you know, when I was running the station, um, if Twitter was then what it is now, yeah, they would have fired me. Go on. Why? Um, while I value, uh, you know, like all of us, constructive opinions, um, Twitter's just stupid. Uh, I, I'm sorry, you know, it's uh, it's just uh, it's anti-social media, and you can't run a business uh, strictly through anti-social media. So. Let's so, get into that a little bit. I find that fascinating. Um, do you believe that people are running their business that way now? Oh, shit, yeah. Sorry about the bad language. It's all right. It's a podcast. Um, you know, listen, I'm a guy who plays golf five days a week. <laughs> uh, all I, you know, I read a lot. Um, but I don't, I don't operate a business anymore. So to say whether you know, definitively are or are not operating your business based on um, rabbit ears, as I like to call it. I don't know. No, but it's, it's certainly not a way I would operate my business. I used to go on the air and take calls from people. And I was genuine about wanting to hear what they had to say. But there was certainly more merit in the 10 calls we might take during, you know, when I was sitting in with, the, with Bob being the idiot program director then, you know, there was more merit in those 10 calls than I kind of think that you get online. So first of all, that was one of the best segments Bob did regularly. And I've told you that before. <laughs> it was highly enjoyable. Uh, up there when Saul from Corey's used to come in too. Um, but, <laughs> so, Never mind, I got, I got a bunch of free suits. So I'm a happy guy. I'm sure. Um, so, is the suggestion that I'm hearing um, that you think that those in the business today do spend a lot of time looking at sentiment in what you're calling anti-social media to make decisions to drive the business? Well, I think they, I, I think it carries a, it carries a lot of weight. Um, you know, in the old so days, me, in the back. old days, uh, you know, what did I have? I had the ratings and I had the research. And we did research. You you have to research what your what your product is. Um, we did less. Uh, we, we did more when Telemedia owned the radio station. Um, but you know, like like anything else, like any form of feedback, it has to be taken into consideration. But you also have to you got to balance that with with empirical data. And Twitter is not empirical data. If Twitter doesn't exist in the form that it is today. Is Don Cherry still on Coach's Corner? Well, that's a good question. But, you know, I, I still think ultimately may wind up in the same place. You know, but that's, that's such a hypothetical. <laughs> you took I us mean, there, my friend. You took us Yeah, there. you know what? I, I, you're probably right. I did. Um, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. 
You're listening to Believe in the Press Row. It's Jonah Siegel with, with Nelson Milner. And uh, we've made a right turn and ended up in, where is it, Bugs Money? You stand up in like Albuquerque or somewhere. Um, <laughs> or Kalamazoo. Right, something like that. But so, so let, let's dig in a little bit. Um, you, you taught me through many phone calls and email exchanges and perhaps even Twitter direct messages, uh, never to look at one book standing on its own, uh, never to look at two books, just, you know, you really try and look at trends. Um, the trend at your old primary employer is not good. Um, it is certainly going the wrong way. The most recent numbers are alarmingly low where the morning show in the key demographic males 25 to 54 is at two six. I'm pretty sure that's the lowest it's ever been. Um, you're the program director, you're seeing that trend. How do you deal with that both upwards, outwards in terms of sales and then on a day-to-day -day with your team? Well, you know, the sales thing, first of all, listen, that's the, that's the thrust of the business providing value for the shareholders. Um, but I, you know, I, I know, I still know some of the folks, you know, who operate in the sales and the sales milieu there. And um, we, we always learn to sell beyond the ratings. Um, sports radio is never going to generate the kind of numbers that a CBC or CHFI or chum FM will. Um, so you have to sell beyond the ratings if you're, if you're going to be successful. So, you know, so let, let's take the sales, you know, the sales thing out of it. Um, you've got a new morning. I'm not making excuses, but if I'm sitting in the chair, I'm thinking, okay, do I believe in the show? First of all, do I believe in the show based on my, my experience uh, and my instincts, which are not often right, but nevertheless, um, if I believe in the show, then you take it apart you know, kind of piece by piece, look at it. Is this right? Is this right? What, what, what else can we do? Uh, you know, and I think the other thing, uh, I know when you look at share of audience, I, I don't have any idea and I'm getting the numbers from you, frankly, I, I've got no, no connections anymore that uh, uh, give me any access to information or, or some I'm going on your, uh, on your say so as to what the numbers are. Um, but if I'm looking at it and if I think I believe in the show and trust me, the fan was up and down over the years, whether that's the lowest number or not, I can't remember. Um, but we knew the radio station was always going to ebb and flow based on uh, a lot based on exterior factors, performance of teams, time of year, all those things. I mean, you know, the, to me, it's okay. Here's where we are. What do we think we need to do to, Keep moving the needle upwards. Okay, so that's a nice answer. But let, let's, like, you were there in the early days on Holly Street when it was an independent station. You were there when it was owned by the big conglomerate. What does pressure look like when the trend is off over two years, more than 50%, and you end up at a 2.6? Who, who, who do you hear from? Who do you hear from? Yeah. Well, we all have bosses. Right. Um, 
we all have bosses, so you 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 work through a strategy to negate the impact of of ratings when they're down and to take advantage of them when they're up. Yeah, it's it's not you know was it different at telemedia with a private owner than than Rogers? Yes, um, at telemedia we were cowboys. We could do. We were the first. We were the only. We could do it. You know, kind of whatever we wanted to try and get ourselves to be successful. And the first five, six, seven years, we built audience. But when you look at the history of the radio station, there was a 18 months there, maybe a year with no, you know, with no play-by-play. But we were able to, you know, keep the thing on track enough to build it through promotions, through marketing. We had a bit of a clubhouse. It wasn't a huge audience, but it was a very loyal audience um, and grew from there. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to do that under the, you know, under the guise of a much larger company with different priorities. So we all know the feeling you're driving to work. You're listening to the morning show. You're the program director uh, or the program director's boss or that person's boss and the ratings come out. What does your day look like? Does it change? Oh, there, well, you know, are there nine one one meetings? Are th- things being thrown? Like what's it like in that? Oh no. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I don't ever remember throwing anything because of ratings. Okay. As you know, as kind of the guy sitting sitting at the desk, you, you have to be concerned, but at the same time, um, you know, I always said it's just radio. There's no dead bodies, so <laughs> what's what, you know, it ain't real life. It's an illusion. It's sports and it's radio, and um, uh, but you sit down with the numbers. You look for the you look for the positives. You look for the weaknesses. You try and build you know, continue to strategize on building on the positives and then, you know, look at tactics to, uh, to negate the, uh, the downsides. How much do you think decision-making at that station right now is being driven by the program director or up higher the food chain? I have no idea. I'm not trying to avoid the question, but um, you always operate as a group. Nobody, nobody's, uh, no, nobody operates in isolation there or any, in any business. So the program director has a boss and that boss has a boss and you talk about it. You, you strategize, you talk about options. No different than a hockey team. I have a left winger that's not performing very well. The coach isn't making the call. Um, the coach and the GM and uh, and the president will make the call. So, you know, to say who's making the call, I don't know. Okay. So I know you- that when I was, you know, when I was there, I always, always said, I'm the guy in the chair taking the heat and, uh, and, and hopefully giving out the credit. So you've seen the numbers. You've, well, you've told the, me the numbers. And you've seen the trends. What mm-hmm. do you think? What do you think? Of, what, what, what's going on in the business in general? The business in general, you know, radio has been dead for a long time. Um, 
according to to the experts it was going to you know it was supposed to die when tv came in it will find its place in amongst this world of 50 to 60 million podcasts or however however many there are out there um and uh, you know and that's what i tell my students i think it's great you guys are doing podcasts but why am i going to listen what what reason do i have and um I think it fills it fills a void. Would I, you know, I was always leery about taking radio shows and putting them on onto a podcast. But that was, you know, I'm an old guy, so I'm not going back to listen to something that was on the air five hours ago or six hours ago. Um, so I think the you know, like all businesses, it has to it has to evolve. The key to radio is to be hyper local. Um, and and satisfy the audience that, that you have available to you. You're listening to uh, Believe in the Press Row with Jonas Siegel, joined by Nelson Noman, longtime sports and other music radio station program director. Um, <laughs> Nelson, you've just been promoted to CEO of Numeris in Canada. Uh, Numeris, for those who don't know, is a fine institution... <laughs> highlight underscore the word institution um, that provides the, the, the technology and the rating systems to radio stations from coast to coast in Canada. What changes would you make? Wow. Well, you've got to understand, I left the radio business just as Numeris or BBM was going with the, with personal, uh, the personal people meters. So, you know, my experience with it was really, didn't they open for it, the Beatles one year? The, the, the PBN? Yeah, I think they did. Um, uh, my experience was uh, short with the PPM. I think it's uh, it's probably a better system than strictly, you know, the diary system, which they still use in the non-major markets. Um, and because it's funded by the radios, you know, by the radio companies. Um, the radio companies that are successful and, you know, within the framework of that technology are very happy to leave it the way it is. And the other radio stations that believe they're always underreported because of sample size want it to be changed. But the funding comes strictly through the broadcasters, so it's entirely up to them how they evolve that business. Yeah, I'm going to push you a little harder. So we sit here in a world today where, um, what do you say, 50,000 podcasts? Um, I don't know. I, I made up a number. So let, we'll stick with it. Um, 50,000 podcasts. I think the average adult Canadian has like 1.4 cell phones or something. Um, the system clearly isn't capturing the entire audience and what's going on. The sample size that used to be representative of the audience is no longer accurate because the, the medium or the vertical is no longer accurate or representative. So knowing, forget the technology side of it, but people now listen with headphones on all the time. That, that is not capturable by the current PPMs. Uh, people listen to podcasts, that's not captured by the PPMs. Uh, no, but it, but it is captured by, obviously, by the, the individual companies themselves. And at the end of the day, if they can take their two, you know, if you say the morning shows, whatever it was, 2.6, Yep. And combine that with the number of people who listen to the show on a podcast, um, then you've still got something saleable. 
but why is Numer why don't you think it's a better system or why isn't Numeris publishing those numbers? Why are they just doing the PPMs? That's a good question. Um, it, technologically, is it, a, you know, how available is it? Where are they gathering that information from? Who's providing them with the information? Um, I don't think they have, you know, it, you're still going to, it still comes down to sample size. If for argument's sake, and this is, I don't know what the numbers are, but if for argument's sake, there's a thousand people out there in the city of Toronto with meters. Um, how are those distributed? Who's got them? And how long do they have them for? And that's really the essence of what, what PPM is. Incorporating the PPMs into, whether it's online listening or podcasts or downloads, um, you know, that's, that sounds like a, an investment that uh, um, nobody's going to want to make. They're going to be able to still aggregate their their impressions and use that as their sales tool. And again, I don't know how it works in the U.S. How deep do, do, do the PPMs go in the U.S.? Well, you've got a couple of companies and Nielsen and, 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 and. So are they capturing more data? Yes. Maybe. Not only are they capturing more data, they're, they're making it publicly available. <clears throat> right. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's it, 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 it's a ten to one. So everything gonna, everything so, in the U.S. is ten times bigger than it is in Canada. That's right. So you, you you brushed aside or pushed aside the sales component of it. When ratings come out, does the program director hear from Saul at Corey's? Do you hear from the head of Pizza Pizza? Do you hear from um, the personal injury law firm? Do you hear from no. No, they you know they have they have sales representatives that they deal with. So the program director, at least when you were doing the job, had no or little deals with with sales whatsoever. Oh no, I had a ton of sales, uh, a ton of uh, um, crossover with sales. I mean, the objective was what what's for sale on the radio station. How does programming support the the revenue effort, and how does the how does the the revenue effort support the programming? So, Sorry, you I know, with directly with the advertisers. Oh, you know what? I, I did talk to advertisers and, and yes, we'd have conversations. But as a general rule, you know, uh, if Saul Corman called me or Wajid Khan or um, I had, you know, part of my job was to support the sales effort. So I had contact with them. But in terms of would Saul Corman call me and say, the, you know, the ratings are, or they seem like they're down. Okay. Is your how's, how's your business, Saul? <laughs> is your business down? Well, no. Okay. So, yeah, and, and that's the and that's the response when you have um, sales reps who who are close with their with their clients. Fair enough. So now I'm going to ask you a question that I know your answer is going to be I don't know, and to to be frank, we're not really interested in what you know. We're interested in your opinion. So Bob McCowan left the airwaves in the summer, early, early summer. Uh, no, I'm not going to ask you about his contract details because that you do know, and I'm not going to put you there. So um, do you think he comes back on the air, whatever the air means? Is he going to be back in the entertainment business doing sports in some fashion 
in Canada slash the GTA, in your opinion? Well, first of all, I hope so. Because okay. Bob is still, you know, uh, uh, the best. Um, so I, I sure as hell hope so. He comes back in, in some way, shape or form. Will he, you know, he's, he's got a, I know he's, you know, he's got businesses, um, that, it, that he's involved with, but I think he, you know, uh, knowing Bob the way I do, I'm sure he misses having the opportunity to talk about the, you know, talk about the stories. Um, is he going to talk about the fact that, you know, uh, Hyman had 27 seconds of puck possession time uh, in the uh, in the St. Louis zone last night. No, but there's, you know, I, I hope he comes back in one way, shape, or form. I, you know, I'd still listen to. Him. And uh, it's funny you said you said something that triggered something in my brain. Oh, yeah, and it's not just the coffee. Um, <laughs> You're on the West Coast. I know what it is. Uh, it's, it's legal everywhere up there, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Um, let me ask you a question. Okay. We, we've seen the demise in Toronto of Mike Babcock, which we all assumed was performance-based. The team sucked, wasn't performing, he got gone. Um, a wholly unearthing hell has occurred since where we find out that he did this to uh, Mitch Marner. Um, guys in Detroit have basically come out and completely, in my opinion, destroyed his reputation. Uh, rightly or wrongfully so. They, they've certainly gone on the record and said some pretty horrible things about someone who I used to have a ton of respect for that you just have to wonder what the hell is going on with this guy. Um, you're hearing it now about guys like Mark Crawford, um, uh, the guy, obviously, Bill Peters in Calgary. Um, the question that I always have is, okay, so who knew what when? And I, I want to ask you the question about, as the program director, you have people or had people on the beat who were part of, you know, who are in the room, who are on the road, who are at the arena, who clearly saw things. Did you ever have to have those discussions about what can and can't be said with people? Hmm. It's a good question. Just, no, not really. Um, you know, I have a good memory, but it's short. Uh, some of that has to do with, uh, with age. Um, but I don't, ever recall a situation like where I've said, eh, we can't go to air with that. Um, once, you know, once it's been confirmed, once it's part of the news cycle, um, I don't ever recall saying in a situation like that, uh, we have to stay away from the story. In, in 20 plus years of sports, you clearly either directly knew or your guys and gals knew the characters of some of those involved in the local teams. You knew, I, I guarantee you knew which athletes went to which bars, um, which guys were family guys, which ones were, were not. Um, I'm not talking about being racist or misogynist or bad people, but 
your, your folks clearly had access to information. Right? Agreed? Okay. Yeah, you know what? And, and I guess my honest answer is we never talked about it. My, uh, you know, my philosophy was keep it between the lines. If somebody was stepping out on their spouse, it, it, it didn't matter. You know, that it wasn't part of what our mandate was, in my opinion. So if you're teaching, so your if, guy, if guys knew things, if guys knew things because of the, you know being on the road, um, we you know there was a code. There, there's always been that code, and when you know push comes to shove, um, certainly uh, back then, which only an old guy can say, um, without the benefit, I guess, or of of a way to get that information out beyond the airwaves it didn't come up and it wasn't fit for the airwaves because it wasn't between the lines. Is that what you would teach your students today at the college of sports media? Yep. The personal shit, you know, the, the, uh, the, with a story like for argument's sake, we'll say the Babcock story. Well, this happened two, three years ago, whatever it was, that information has been out there. I mean, I don't know about it. Somebody knew, not something he's going to keep to himself. Um, but, you know, once the floodgates opened, you can't, you can't ignore it. But was it relevant to uh, team performance? Well, maybe, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, the, although that's, that's a bigger conversation is, you know, it's never going to be one thing that gets you fired as I found out. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think you would agree or I wonder if you would agree that there is a pretty bright line test. So if a young reporter is, is standing outside the locker room and overhears the tirade that Peters had against his player, uh, I think you, uh, would your opinion be any different? No. No, you know what? I, I mean, you asked me about what do I teach? What do I teach the kids? Uh, I teach them that if they're reporting on a story or if they're reporting on a team, then their job is to report um, what happens on the ice. If you're a columnist, that's a different, you know, that's a different conversation. Um, and there's been lots of instances in this market where people who, who are columnists, whether they're, you know, on the air or in print in one way, shape or form, um, have put stories out there like this. But my philosophy for the radio station on a day-to-day -day basis was keep it between the lines. It's okay. You know, you can criticize, uh, you know, a player for his performance, but you can't, you know, we, we can't go on the air and say, oh, you know what I saw him stepping out on his on his spouse okay i don't know if that makes sense but i'm you know i'm a, i'm a big believer in um giving people the benefit of the doubt and you know some of that stuff's nobody's business so you're at the station mm -hmm. and into your office walk barry davis shy davidi and mike <laughs> wilner and they tell you the story that happened to the um, with the Houston Astros in the in the uh, in the locker room. 
where the assistant general right. manager um, targeted a female female reporter yeah. uh, with his celebration about Roberto Osuna. Okay, Most but the, you know it, it, it's hard to use that as the example because it was out there for the world to see. So that's my question. So they come back. So so that happened. Mm -hmm. Didn't get reported right away. So those three folks walk into your office and say, "That's not Houston. It's the Blue Jays. Uh, it's the Blue Jay locker room, and it's not some female reporter. It's Hazel May." What do you do with it? Well, again, I think it depends on you have to you have to look into the behavior, um, gather. It's like anything else. You kind of gather the facts. I mean, if if you think back, we had a situation where, um, and this goes back a long time, where Cito Gaston said some things about Bob McCowan and Stephen Brunt and or Stephen Simmons. Um, that became a story. We dealt with it, um, you know, and, and moved on. So I'm not sure if you're asking me, would I have put that on the air if those three guys come in or if, the, yeah, if those three reporters come in and tell me the same story about um, something that happens in the, in, in the Blue Jays locker to one of our people? Well, I, I think the first thing you do is you go internally with it. Uh, they, they, you know, under that Rogers banner, I'm not saying you ignore the story and it's certainly going to come out, but you know, you have to go through the investigation and find out what happened. So I'm not, I, I don't know if I mean, I don't know if any of my answers today have made any sense to you at all, but you, you, you're asking a hypothetical. Um, and so the, the, the honest answer is, yeah, I don't know what I do at this point. I look into it, find out and then make the decision. If they wanted to go to the air with it, would you let them? Provided we had confirmation, probably. Oh, you would? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I would assume that the Houston, uh, that the Houston Astros rights holder went to air with it. Okay. So yeah. a story is still a story. Is it the number one story? Back then, you know, probably not. Right. You know, these days, you know, we're drinking out of a fire hose these days with, um, with what's coming out of you know politics in U.S. and Canada, and then all this, uh, all the other things that have wound their way into the conversations, and rightly so. This has been uh, most fascinating. Um, when really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love picking your brain, and while it's great uh, to hear old stories, sometimes just factual opinion and thoughts is equally as intriguing. Um, that's why I do this. Uh, I am fascinated by the business side of things, and uh, you continue to provide me with lots of food for thought, and and I really appreciate it. And I thank you for joining us today. Well, I appreciate that, uh, considering how long I've uh, kind of been uh, out of the business. Um, and uh, it's always fun to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I've always loved talking radio. And uh, and that's why I love to, you know, I love teaching at the College of Sports Media. So if your sons and or daughters out there want to get into the sports broadcasting business, uh, that's the uh, College of Sports Media.
Well, <laughs> you've been listening to Believe in, in the Press Row, one of some 50,000 podcasts out there. Uh, we are available. <laughs> May, maybe more. We are available, Nelson, in all of your favorite podcast catchers, if you will. We're on iTunes, Google, you name it. You can find us there. You can now subscribe. We do this every week. Uh, I mean, it's here. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find a 15-year-old to help me out with it. <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. You, you've provided lots of food for Plotter. And uh, I hope you have a great, warm winter season. Thanks, Jonah. Always nice talking to you, pal. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.